Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. I want to also share what I've learned from uh, the, the last nine weeks. We miss uh, two weeks because Joy and, and, and I were traveling, but um, what we did was when, when we came back, uh, Tim and Patsy brought us through a crash course, like two weeks of, uh, so we did Skype call and, uh, and, and, and that really impacted me and Joy. And I'm speaking the week after, also, so I'm moving my marriage message you know, by, by, one, uh, by one week and, and let me talk to you ab- about being parents. Since we're on this uh, parenting journey and at the end of my message, let's all pray for the parents in this church. Yes, uh, as a family, as a city, let's pray for those of us who are parents. Because like uh, what Kirk and Kay said, that you know, it's, it's, it's the most challenging vocation in the world. It's, it's, it's uh, more challenging than being a lawyer. It's more challenging than, than, than being a CEO of a multinational uh, company, parenting your children. So let's uh, look at Psalm 127 verse 4, and, uh, verse 3 to verse 5. I, I won't take long. But let's look at some, some Bible verses and I'll share a few uh, thoughts from the class, give you a teaser and you can uh, sign up for the class. But parents for life. Let's look at Psalm 127 verse 3 to verse 5. And the Bible says in these uh, verses that children, say children. How many children do we have in this house? The, the, the rest of you? <laughs> How many children do we have in the house? All of us, right? So children, you and I, we are heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are a warrior. And verse 5 says, Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. The Bible tells us that children... Uh, heritage from the Lord. And all of us, uh, we are all part of God's inheritance. Amen. And the more children we have, the more authority we gain in the Spirit. Now, I, I didn't say that was what the Bible says. And if we learn how to parent them well, a child becomes an arrow in the hand of a warrior. If we, if we learn how, if we coach them, if, if we train them in, in the ways that they should go as a young child, when they grow up, they become a mighty person in the faith. And, 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 and they would push forward the kingdom of God wherever they go in, in life. And so I, I want to say this, parents, you might be parents uh, today or you might be parents tomorrow, but I, I believe all of us uh, will become parents one day. As some of you may, may, may become spiritual parents. So parents, I'm speaking to all of you, parents are God's partners in raising the next generation. Amen? We are partnering with God. We are God's partners in raising the next generation. As I said, when I took the, the mic from Andre uh, uh, just now, that our ceiling must become the floor of the next generation. That our children must do even be- uh, 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 better in the spirit, in life. So there are a few things I, I've learned from the, the lesson on releasing and on destiny. And, and I want to just make three uh, comments this morning. The first 
When it comes to parenting together with God, the first, and I, and, and I can't overemphasize this, but the first thing that we must be aware of, the first lesson we must learn as parents is we cannot make our children the center of our lives. Hello? We cannot make our children the center of our lives. You must not make your child the center of your life, as Christians especially. And, you know, I, and, and I've seen that uh, growing up in churches that, you know, when children come along, somehow God gets put in, in second place and children become like their number one. And we, we cannot make this mistake. As parents, as Christians, we live to please God, not to please our children. Um, amen. We live to please God, not to please our children. So what PFL taught me is children don't always know what's best for them. And that's why they, they need parents. If children know what's best for them, then they don't need you and I. But because they don't know what's best for them, that's why we parent them. The truth is, parents can't always make children happy. Loving correction is never a happy occasion. Bring out the cane... And asking them to stretch their hands out uh, were never pleasant when Joy and I were parenting the kids. And there were times when we lost our cool and we just went on uh, you know, a freestyle mode and, uh, and hurt them in the whole process. If you can talk to my son and he would tell you the occasion when I miss my you know, well-placed stroke usually, but I missed it and I hit his face. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. And he, and he actually comforted me, my, comforted me by saying, that is really okay. I, I understand that you didn't do it on purpose. You know, but... <laughs> wow. But the truth is, parents... Can't always make children happy. And children, like adults, like you and I, are, are responsible for their feelings. They are. And the flip side is true. Parents, neither can our children make us happy or sad. Wow. Now, that's a revelation when, it, when I read that. When, when, when I went through uh, the makeup with uh, Tim and Patsy, this strikes home. Our children cannot make us happy or sad. We are responsible for our own feelings. It's wrong for us to uh, blame our negative feelings on their behaviors. Now, of course, they will make us upset and all, all that, but we can choose whether uh, to allow their behaviors to overwhelm us or we can choose uh, to respond and to feel maturely. So I remember once uh, at the dining uh, table and and one of the kids said something which hurt me, you know. And so I, I, I was so upset. And in my previous self, I would say, and I would start playing the blame game, you know, and say, "Oh, you said this, you said that." But for some reason, that that day, maybe because I prayed in tongues a little bit more that day, so you know, I I, I stood up from the uh, from the dining uh, table. I left them, and they were like shocked and said, "What's wrong, Dad?" And so I said, "I'm just feeling sad." And I've got to go and process my feelings. And so I walked away from the table. I walked into my room. I said, God, I need to just be mature about how I feel. And I was with, with the Lord for a few moments. And I came back and I said, okay, now things are back to normal again. And I said, that's, that's not right for you to say da 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 and so forth. But, you know, I've learned, friends, that we are responsible for our feelings. 
that when we depend on our children for emotional uh, support, we are placing a terrible burden on them. Because why? They cannot be free to live their own lives if they are responsible for our lives, especially when it comes to releasing them. We cannot depend on them to support us emotionally. We have to look to the Lord and God must be our support. Somebody say Amen. Amen. And I saw that uh, with my own parents because I'm the first in the family to become Christian. And I knew when I made the decision to follow Jesus that I would incur the wrath of my parents and my grandparents. So going back home, I told my parents one day that I'm now a baptized believer. And with horror in their eyes, they looked at me and I don't think they remember, but they said something like, you've betrayed the family. And so that hurt me deeply. I left the house and I went for a walk and there I, there I struggled and I wrestled with uh, the Lord. And I said, God, have I done wrong? You know, and it was there and then that I realized that I'm determined to follow Jesus regardless of how my parents uh, may or uh, how my parents feel. And for many years of my life, you know, uh, I think they didn't understand. And so there was always this constant struggle uh, about my faith. But of course, on hindsight now, they are now believers and I believe if you ask them today, they will tell you that Daniel made the best decision of his life following Jesus Christ. Come on, give God a praise offering. But if I have... Uh, but, if, but if I have given in to the emotional state, then I may not be walking with the Lord today. So my first call is to please Jesus, not to please my parents. As, and as children, our first call is to please God, not to please our parents. But of course, we are called to honor our parents. Amen? Alright, so don't make your children the center of your life. Make Jesus the center of your life. The second lesson I've learned uh, from this uh, chapter on releasing is give your children to God and you will have them always. You will always have them. Give your children to God and you will always have them. But possess your children and you will lose them. If you're possessive, the more we possess them, the more we will lose them. See friends, first things first, children belong to God, not to the parents, not to society or even to the government. We are stewards. We are, we are partners with God. So our children belong to God. We are being given the privilege as parents uh, to, 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 to steward their potential for 15, 20 years of their lives. But, but one day they will grow up and we've got to release them. So the sooner we release them to, to the Lord in the Spirit, in our hearts, and I believe that's when we can see them flourish. And the story is found in Luke 15 when the loving father basically allowed his wayward child or his wayward son to leave and go to a faraway place. A good father allowed a wayward child to leave. He didn't stop him from living. He didn't uh, tie him up. He didn't use guilt trip and uh, try to manipulate you know, that, that boy from leaving the house. In fact, the father went the extra mile and divided his inheritance when he was still alive. And that was tantamount to, to the child saying that, Dad, I wish you did. But the loving father understood that at the end of the day, the child belongs to the Lord. So he never stopped believing that, that the son would come home and that they would be restored. But he had to let him go. Yes? And so as parents, yeah, we have to allow our children to, uh, you know, 
after having done all to entrust them to the Lord. And when the son came to his senses, he returned to his father. And, 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 and I've learned, friends, that perhaps this morning you or your loved ones or your friends may have a child in a foreign land of rebellion or you know, far away from God and you know, trying to find his, his or her identity. And from Luke 15, we learn a few things. We learn that a child, no matter how uh, terrible he or she is, is never too wicked. Because the prodigal son in this story wished his father dead and demanded for his inheritance. And even that, the child comes home. So even if you have a child that's far away from God, or if, you, or if you're talking to a friend whose child is far away from God, encourage them from this story that the child is never too wicked to experience God's love. Amen? And the child is never too far away because the prodigal son, the Bible says, went to a faraway land and he found his way home nonetheless. A child is never too lost. This penniless boy was tending unclean pigs. Seems to be lost, but... In spite of that, he found his way home. A child is never too absent for too long. Because after, even though he was away for a long time, the loving father waited and looked down the, uh, the road until the day comes when the son finally came home. But what the father needs to do is the father needed to release the son to the Lord. And so as parents here, I want to strongly encourage you and trust your children into the Lord's hand. And, and we have this story of Franklin Graham, the, the son of the famous Billy Graham. And we all thought, as wonderful as Billy Graham is, right? I mean, he's one of the most, if not the most respected statesmen, Christian statesmen of the 20th century. He spoke to, to millions and he led millions to faith. And we have thought that his child would be a role model, that the perfect boy. But if you read Franklin Graham's story, Franklin grew up a rascal, a, re a rebel. And he, re and, and he had such a troubled teenage years that he was, actually, uh, being, he was actually kicked out from his school. He was smoking, he was drinking, he was defying authority, and that was all normal. And, and he said, and I quote, I took pride in my individuality and tried to see how far I could stretch rules before getting reprimanded. He wrote in his autobiography, but instead of getting my esteem from achieving within the system, I got my trails and identity from challenging the system. But he said that all these things didn't satisfy him. And so finally he came home and he wrote a book called Rebel with a Cause. He found his cause. And he's now today uh, an evangelist in Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and is leading uh, people to Christ and stepping into his father's footsteps. But the father had to let him go. If you talk to some pastors with children that had challenging years, you know, the more they, the, the, you know, the more they release them to the loving hands of the Lord, the more the, cho the child comes home. Friends, we've got to release our children to the Lord. Amen. And the last point I've learned from uh, this uh, class also is we have to let the challenge of today build a healthy tomorrow. And what that means is we must be purpose-focused and not problem-focused parents. Oftentimes, most parents are problem-focused parents. We focus on the child's problems, right? So we are constantly worried about the child's behavior. When the, when the child misbehaves, you know, we suffer great anxi anxiety. 
When the when the child didn't perform good in school, we are concerned. When 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 uh, when the when the teacher in preschool said that the child can't pronounce the word Mesopotamia, we got all flustered and said, "Wow, you mean my child is is slow in his or her development? I mean, ridiculous." Can uh, can count from one to a hundred at three years old, and my child is is lagging. Friends, I want to encourage you: don't focus on problems. Focus on purpose. If there's something I can encourage all of us to do this morning, if you're a parent or would be parents or should be parents in the years to come, friends, when a child comes, the first thing you need to have from the Lord is receive a promise for your child. Go to God and say, God, give me a word. God, give me a prophetic promise for my child's life. Because friends, that promise will anchor you. When your child goes through challenging times, when, you, when, when, you're, when you're wrestling with the, with the strong-willed boy, friends, the promise of God actually anchors you in your parenting. Focus on God's purpose for your children's life. What has God called your children to be in the kingdom? Right? Sometimes we get so myopic in our parenting that we forgot that it was God who gave us these precious ones and He has got a plan, He has got a purpose for their lives. I like what Ethan and Philip said, that, 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 that verse in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 it, it is as applicable to our children as much as it is to our own life. That God has a plan for them, a plan to prosper them, not to harm them, to give them a hope and a future. And, it, and the sooner we discover God's plan for our children, the more secure we become as parents. And when they go through challenging times, we can come back to God. And the Bible says, with the prophetic word, we wage a great warfare. We present the word before God and say, God, you promised me this when Titus was born. You said this to me when Melody was born. And that's what my wife and I did. And, and to add to that, we love the prophetic ministry. So when the prophets come, we we'll always say, pray for us. And, and more than one, you know, in fact, all of them said, your kids will grow up well. And we take that as a prophetic word. And we said, no matter what, regardless of you know, what their behavior, they would grow up loving Jesus. Why? Because we receive the prophetic word and we by faith believe in the prophets. And so for, for Titus, the Lord spoke to us and said that he would be a giant in the faith. The word Titus, you know, if you read Titan, right? Giant. And so when he was growing up, people would say, you're a Titan. You're, you know, and so by faith, we just said he would be a giant in, in the faith. And we're, seeing that, uh, and we're seeing that being lived out right now. And when, we were grow, when, and when Matthew was born... I was praying and the Lord says her, her life would be a song unto me. And I believe that. When Mary Beth was, was born, I had the vision of Mary of Bethany and how she would pour out perfume and incense before Jesus. And, and I said, God, this is Mary Beth's destiny. When Megan was born, I see her as, as a joyful child that brings joy and delight, not just to her parents, but to the world. That she would make people laugh and she would make them, you know, uh, and she would free people from depression. That Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon her because she, she has been anointed to bring uh, freedom to, to the captive. She would bring oil of joy to those who are mourning. Friends, these are all promises that we receive from the Lord, that we pray over our children. 
So don't be problem focused. Of course, address issues, but see beyond that and see their potential, see their purpose, and see God's destiny for their lives. Amen? And my kids aren't perfect if you know them, if you're their friends. But I do believe that they are growing up well. I do believe that uh, they would grow up loving the family, they would love God, and that uh, the legacy that we've started, I'm the first in the family to become, to become a Christian. I'm, I'm the first. But I believe the legacy that you know, we have started, Joy and myself, will now continue in our seed, our seats, our children. And that our grandkids, and I've seen them, and I, I see myself with, uh, with a bit more gray hair and with uh, at least just four times, uh, now six, uh, six times four kids, right? 24 grandchildren surrounding us. Young. I don't want to be an old grandparent. I said to my kids, Daddy and Mommy set you an example, get married young. And so I see myself grandparenting at 60 years old, like my dad. He was a grandfather at 49, you know, and we will have children surrounding us. And each of them, an arrow in the hand of a warrior. Amen. So as I conclude, I think this morning is very prophetic. Some of you may... Uh, may not understand, wow, parenting, graduation. The Lord spoke to me when we founded this church about seven years plus ago, seven plus years, years ago. And, and, and He said that we are to, we are to raise up Christ-centered families. We were all teenagers then. Most of them were teenagers. We didn't expect uh, adults to join us until much later. But of course, God brought them. Praise God for that. So last night, we had 15 uh, couples who are dating, you know, and who are date, uh, nine dating uh, couples. <laughs> and my heart was swelling with, with joy because that's exactly what I have envisioned when we, when we, when we founded this church, that these dating uh, couples would make wise decisions about marriage, would grow, would, would grow in their marriage, would become godly parents, would, would raise up Christ-centered families and would become role models for the next ge- generation. And this morning, we graduate six uh, couples. And I think it's just amazing that God is just doing something wonderful in this church. That the more Christ-centered parents we have, the stronger this church can become. Do we agree? Do we agree that when families exist for the glory of God and when they see their call as advancing Christ's kingdom on the earth as a family unit, I believe this church is going to be very powerful in the coming days. And so let, let me close with the verse again. Let's go to, to the first slide. In Psalm 127, can I have the bell on stage? Psalm 127 and verse 3 to verse 4. The Bible says children are a heritage from God. Offspring a reward from the Lord. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. 
Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. I want all the, pa- the parents here, if you can, to stand if you're a parent. If you're pregnant with a first child, you're also a, pa- a parent. Please stand. And we, we want to pray into to this verse. Yes? Because if you look at these verses, right, you have, you, have, you have got to understand that the Bible says that you are a warrior. Dad, mom, you're a warrior. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior. So in spite of the challenges that you may have gone through as parents, and like what Kay said, we are not perfect parents. But we, but, but, but we are not defined by what we are, by, by our behavior or by what we've not done or by what we've done. We're defined by what the Lord says about us. Do we believe that? We are defined by what the scripture says about, uh, we're defined by what, by what the scripture says. Our identity is founded on the scripture and the Bible says that we are warriors. The Bible says that your children are arrows. Can we see them the way God sees them? That even though today they might be little rascals running around, you've got to execute and apply loving correction. In the eyes of heaven, they are arrows. They are a weapon in the hand of a skillful warrior. That's you. And you are not just supposed to just exist. Some verses say, and they will contend with their opponents at the gates. And you have to understand that that, that that verse doesn't mean that you are being defensive, that when the enemy comes against you, you will send your children you know, to defend against the family. Now, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are contending with the enemy at the gates, which means that we are taking the battle to our enemies, which means that the more children we have, we bring them into the battlefront and we are on the offensive and we're pushing back the kingdom of darkness and we're taking territory for the glory of God. Amen. So we've got warriors here. Parents, you're a warrior. You are not just a Sunday-going, Sunday church-going Christian. You are not just a parent that is struggling to bring up your children. In spite of how much you have failed, the Bible calls you a warrior. And we want to pray for that. We want to pray for warriors to arise this morning.